The Midday Report. I'm Mandy Wiener. Keep listening as we round up the key stories affecting your world with interviews with newsmakers, in-depth analysis and eyewitness news reporters on the ground. The Midday Report. We're going straight to that lead story in EWN today. Nandipa Magudamana appearing in court in Bloemfontein today in the Bloemfontein Magistrates Court. Her father appearing alongside her as well. He has been granted bail of 10,000 rand. So interesting to watch Nandipa Magudamana appearing in court today because, again, she was in a, a Nike hoodie. I don't know what it is about Nike, but she's she and Tabopesta have been wearing Nike hoodies every day that they've appeared. Um, and her face was covered she had a mask over her face as she did on her first appearance but the prosecutor today asking the court to give direction so that her face could be shown and I have a thing about this if you are going to appear in court surely you have to show your identity Uh, we all know who she is we all know her identity what is the point of covering it all up as well Uh, so we're going straight to to Bloemfontein where Hamoto Modise is there we're going to chat to her in a minute but firstly Have a listen to the state prosecutor asking the court for guidance on whether Magudamana's face should remain covered during proceedings now that the court was in session. Have a listen. And at the same time, if I may be allowed, I I, I request in respect of accused number four, the court must satisfy itself that the person mentioned in the charge sheet is in fact the person before court. And I request that during these short proceedings that we just see her face. Uh, I realized last time, even today, she's, she's, she's hiding her face. I could understand before the court starts, she does that to avoid maybe the media and all. But now the court is in session. So that's the prosecutor asking for her to show her face. And I've been in court many times where the accused have tried to hide their identity, covering their heads with hoodies. They have to show their face uh, to the court. So today, Nandipa Magudamana had to pull down her mask and show the court her face. In the courtroom, Khomotso Modise, EWN reporter. Khomotso, good afternoon to you. Thank you for your time. Uh, firstly, let's deal with this issue of, of bail. I heard uh, you speaking to the NPA spokesperson in the Eyewitness News Bulletin. Uh, why is the NPA not opposed? bail for Nandipa Magunamana's father, but they've opposed bail for the former G4S employee and the camera installer and everybody else. Well, so the first part that came from the NPA um, was that he apparently is taking um, chronic medication. He is on chronic meds. And they feel that, you know, that is reason for him um, not to, you know, be remanded in custody for the entire duration of this case. But I think an important matter that I've just established from the NPA, Mandy, is that the NPA has withdrawn a charge of murder um, from uh, Second Lenny, right? So you'll remember the last time we were here, we saw a charge sheet that showed that Second Lenny was charged with murder alongside um, Magudumana. Well, Palati should be confirming to me right now that they're no longer charging Sekeleni with murder. And that's why um, when the state, when the prosecutor addressed the court, he spoke about the seriousness of the, of the, of the charges saying that these are all Schedule 1 offenses. It's a charge of defeating the ends of justice. It's a charge of aiding and abetting a prison escape as well as fraud. And they're saying these are Schedule 1 offenses. So because 
you know, in comparison to the other charges, in terms of seriousness, it's not as serious, so they're not opposing bail for second aliens. That's a significant about turn, Khomotso. The fact that they charged him with murder last week, that was a, a big development. Uh, the fact that he had been charged with, with murder, uh, this is uh, Zolile Sekeleni. And is the state saying why they've decided to withdraw that charge of murder now? Well, you know, all that uh, the NPA was willing to say to me was that they don't, they received further information over the last few days for them to make this decision to withdraw the murder charge. They're not revealing much. However, when I spoke to Panagi Shuping last week, Mandy, he said to me that, you know, um, they are currently covering all their bases. And so they, they had charged him with murder, but they were saying that it was um, almost a draft, the charge sheet at that point um, was subject to change. It could be amended at any point. And they were also saying that, you know, um, they were going to charge him and if they were going to continue to prosecute, it would be on uh, the doctrine of common purpose. And so the fact that his co-accused, including Makudumana, is being charged with murder, they felt was reason enough to continue to charge him with murder as well. I'm very interested to find out what the developments have been over the last few days in that docket, um, you know, to see why Sekerin is no longer being pursued for murder. And then, Komoto, at the start of the interview, we did play that audio of the prosecutor asking the court for guidance around whether Magudamana should show her face. Talk us through that moment and Magudamana's appearance in court today, because I thought she looked quite, uh, quite forlorn today. Yes, I mean, you know, um, there's been, I mean, she looks much better than she did last week. Last week, she was extremely emotional, just nodding in response, you know, when she's been asked questions. Um, and today, she was actually blowing kisses to her family. She was waving um, at her mother and, you know, her other family members. And she, you know, she seemed a little more comfortable today um, in court. At the point when they, uh, when the, uh, the magistrate ruled that she show her face, this was after the state said, you know, for identification purposes, Mandy, it's important that she show her face. She reveals herself so that the, the, the court knows that it is indeed her who is in the dark. And so we heard the magistrate also asking that she confirm that in the previous appearance, she was indeed the person in the dark. And you'll know with, this, with a case of such, you know, um, interest, everyone has been asking, you know, how do we know that it's her in that dark, especially because she fled, and, you know, there's been back and forth around the identification of Bester. Surely people want their fears delayed uh, to know that it is actually her before the court chairs and says. Khomotso, thank you very much. Khomotso Modise, EWN reporter, in court for us in Bloemfontein today, uh, where we did see that court appearance of Nandipa Magudamana, also her father as well, Zolile Sekeleni, who has been granted bail. I saw quite a bit of stir around the fact that Magudamana was wearing her wedding ring today, because that's the kind of detail that people are apparently interested in. Um, but the actual court matter has now been postponed uh, until May. There will be a formal bail hearing. Let me know what you think. Think about all of these developments, that charge of murder withdrawn as well. Should Magudamana be showing her face in court? Send me a WhatsApp voice note. On 702 and Cape Talk, this is the Midday Report with Mandy Wiener. Brought to you by NetBank Commercial Banking. Specialists who enable your business growth aspirations. Well, let's stay in the courts now because uh, the perennial accused former President Jacob Zuma making yet another appearance in the dock today in the arms deal corruption case that returned to the Peter Maritzburg High Court. But yet again, Jacob Zuma has found a way to stall, 
to delay, to prevent this trial from going ahead. Remember, Judge Pitkun recused himself. He decided that he would not be presiding over the matter. Judge Nkosinati Chile has now taken over the reins. And this was supposed to have, the trial was supposed to happen today. We all knew that that wasn't going to happen, right? But it has been uh, postponed yet again because Jacob Zuma has brought an application yet again, for the prosecutor, Billy Downer, to be removed. We know that there is also this private prosecution that is happening in parallel to this. But have a listen today to the judge and the prosecutors and Zuma's legal representatives discussing dates and what's going to happen and how this is all going to be delayed again. The dates for the hearing of the um, criminal trial will be advanced. I suppose this can be sorted out in due course. Yeah. Um, my Lord, as, as I think what was the concern of the previous court, if one does that, then one goes on to um, the availability of counsel, which uh, fills up as we, we now are four months away from August. So if counsel are going to fill up their diaries uh, for, for instance, the first and second terms, for the last term of this year and the, and the first term of next year, then we're looking at going into the second term of, for instance, 2024. Yeah, but, but and as I, said, I, I just asked my learned friend for accused number one, let's be realistic about this and, and, and you know, approach it on the basis that availability is a priority uh, given the history of this matter and that long delays for, for trial uh, should, not be, should not be counted. So we would, we would ask that the court do that and, and reserve at least, um, either, at least uh, the, the, the fourth term of this year if not also the second term, the first term of next year. But that we leave it in the hands of the court to start to manage it. That is our problem as the state, to be put on the back burner again as if this was a new matter, when in fact it is a matter which is now four years old on the roll and still unresolved. So yet another delay. You can hear uh, Advocate Billy Downer, the prosecutor in this matter, busy arguing about the dates there. So this is now being postponed until... August. Uh, Bernadette Wicks, EWN reporter, has been following developments this morning. She's in our Joburg studio. Bernadette, uh, tell us about what happened this morning. A very, very short appearance today. Very short. Proceedings were wrapped up probably in about 30 minutes. Um, so you mentioned earlier Judge Pete Kuhn recused himself on the last occasion. And essentially the reason that Judge Kuhn recused himself was because um, Jacob Zuma's legal team had intimated that they planned on bringing another application for Billy Downer's um, removal from the case and that it would be based on the private prosecution that he's now facing. So when uh, Judge Pete Kuhn dismissed that special plea that Zuma previously bought looking for for Downer's removal from the case. Um, the the allegations that kind of sit at the heart of the private prosecution, and those are the allegations where Zuma accuses Downer of essentially leaking confidential medical information to the press. Those allegations were before Kuhn at the time, even though the private prosecution wasn't um, in place yet. And so essentially, when he dismissed that special plea, he he made his views on, on those allegations known, and he expressed a view basically questioning the merits, questioning whether or not Zuma really had a case um, against Downer. And because of that, he now has found that it's it's it wouldn't be appropriate for him to sit in on another application where these same merits are going to be um, or these same allegations are going to be raised. Um, and so that's that's essentially the reason that he recused himself. We, so we did know that this application was coming. Um, we heard today that it was served on the state yesterday. Um, and essentially now, as a result of this application having been brought, they have to put the uh, criminal trial proceedings on hold, hear out this application, 
come to a conclusion on that application and then mm. hopefully resume with the trial. Bernadette, at what point is it enough? I mean, Jacob Zuma is just uh, delaying and stalling. We know it's Stalingrad. We know the, the game plan here. At what point does he become a vexatious litigant and the court intervenes? Yeah, so, I mean, obviously there's been a lot of discussion around sort of the courts giving the former president this leeway to to let these applications um, run. Essentially, I think that they are being very careful to make sure that um, his fair trial rights are protected and kind of erring on the side of caution. But at a certain point, um, if if the state bought an application to have him held, um, declared a vexatious litigant, then potentially that could kind of curtail um, these sort of interlocking peripheral applications that are going on all the time um, sort of parallel to the to the main proceedings and and holding up the main proceedings but that really would depend on um, on on the state or an applicant bringing bringing an application to have him declared a vexatious litigant and the courts ruling in their favor but up until that point of course like anyone else he has um, his constitutional rights to to put whatever applications he deems fit through the courts Bernadette, thank you. Bernadette Wicks, EWN reporter, making the point there, and I agree fully with it. As an accused, you do have uh, democratic rights. You can bring uh, applications to the court. Jacob Zuma has demonstrated that extensively. But at what point does the state then apply for an application to declare him a vexatious litigant? At what point is enough enough with Jacob Zuma? Imagine how many other matters get knocked off the court roll because of these constant appearances here. Uh, At some point, surely it has to be enough. On 702 and Cape Talk, this is the Midday Report with Mandy Wiener. Brought to you by NetBank Commercial Banking. Specialists who enable your business growth aspirations. 25 minutes past 12 in the Midday Report. Let's go to Tswane now. The newly elected Tswane Executive Mayor, Silas Brink, uh, has been holding a press conference today speaking about his concerns around the city's books. Brink says the city has a, a liability of about 4 billion rand to SARS over the issue of a smart meter deal. Well, let's speak to Tabiso Goba, EWN reporter, who's been following that briefing. Tabiso, good afternoon to you. What is Silas Brink saying about the books in the capital? Hi, Mandy. Well, it's a bit complicated, Mandy, as you you, you, you just said there, that um, it relates to a smart meter deal. So in 2013, Mandy, um, the city of Tuane uh, went into a contract or a partnership with a company called PU, P-E-U uh, Capital Partners, it's pronounced PEO. Um, so this contract, they were supposed to um, deliver or provide 13,000 smart meters that will be installed across the city, and this will improve the city's revenue. However, in 2017, this contract was deemed um, unlawful and unconstitutional by the Gauteng, uh, the North Gauteng High Court, and that was the end of it um, as far as we, uh, we know. However, Brink says in the past, since obviously he came into administration last month, they've been looking at the books and they found that the previous chief financial officer has been making around 91 million rand a month to a, of undisclosed payments to SARS. And they found that the city now owes SARS around 4.7 billion rand in relation to this contract that, that was um, declared unlawful by the North Houghton High Court. So now investigations are, um, are happening in terms of when did um, this liability happen, when did the city agree to foot the bill, and three, 
um, how are these payments made by the CFO and hidden under creative accounting uh, from from the financial statement, from council and from the public? Well, let's have a listen to be so to what Silias Brink was saying a bit earlier on today. The decision to not budget for salary increases, both for employees and for councillors, is a matter of necessity. Aside from bulk electricity purchases, salaries are the biggest expense to the municipality. So while we're working really hard on reducing our dependence on ESCOM, diversifying our supply of electricity, we also have to look at the realistic salary bill. How many people work for the city? How much money do we collect? Do they have the tools of trade? What salary increases were were granted in the past? But let me make it clear that the city will not step outside of the collective bargaining process. We are not proposing to breach the agreement. We will invoke the clause of the collective agreement that deals with exemptions, and we will justify the case on that basis, on the city's ability to pay. We know that many employees are also residents of the city. They know the situation that we are in. We will go in with organized labor. We will have a robust discussion. That's Celia's Brink speaking there about the fact that there won't be salary increases for Tswani employees. Thanks to Tabisa Gobo for bringing us that audio. Uh, the city of Tswani has also today been meeting with Rand Waters Management uh, this week. They're, they're, they're meeting to establish structural challenges that have been leading to water outages. The city has been experiencing interruptions since last week uh, after a cable theft incident led to a power outage at Rand Waters Mapleton pump station. Let's speak to Makanosi Maru, who's the Randwater spokesperson about this. Makanosi, good afternoon to you. Uh, tell us about the situation in Tswane at the moment and uh, what the latest is there. Okay. Good afternoon, Mindy, and good afternoon to your listeners. The situation at the moment, uh, we have started pumping. Uh, we are pumping at full capacity. Just to give you a background of what happened, we had a power failure at one of our Mapleton sta- at one of our stations, the Mapleton station, we are supplied by the city of Ikuruleni. So we called our engineers to come on site and they investigated. The preliminary investigation uh, indicated that there was an act of vandalism and as a result, uh, there was depletion of uh, water from our reservoirs. Uh, so you said you've so started, you started. Uh, sorry, you were you were giving background there. Um, I, I wanted yes. to get a sense from you about what the the latest situation was. Once you finished the background. Oh, all right. I was just saying, Flatfontein Reservoir, uh, which supplies Pretoria, was affected. As a result, there, there was no water in Pretoria, but we have started pumping and at full capacity. However, it will take a couple of days for for, for the system to to start uh, working at full full capacity or to start really filling up the reservoir. It will take a couple of days. Okay, so there might still be people that don't have water while the reservoir does does reach capacity. Yes, it, it will take uh, quite about, about five days to fully restore uh, the system. So we, we are really appealing to consumers to really understand exactly where we're coming from and so urge them to use whatever water they have sparingly. I know that city of Tuani and Ekuruleni, they are providing uh, water tankers. So okay. that's the arrangement that we have with the, the municipalities.
Makanosi, thank you very much. Makanosi Maru, Rand Water spokesperson, giving us an update there. So that is the situation. It was the Rand Water's Mapleton pump station that was affected by cable theft. And uh, as she says there, uh, they are pumping. It takes time, unfortunately, to fill the reservoirs. So there will be some areas that won't have water yet. On 702 and Cape Talk, this is the Midday Report with Mandy Wiener. Brought to you by NetBank Commercial Banking. Specialists to enable your business growth aspirations. Hi, Mandy. I think it was good for the court to ask Nandi to show her face. You can't trust anything when it comes to her and her boyfriend. But at the same time, I still think that as long as Tabo Bester is incarcerated in South Africa, I think there's a huge possibility of him escaping again. Somebody in Khozimampuru knows somebody in Plumfontein telling you for free. Wow, I really think the father is the kingpin. He's going to be led off now to go and sort everything out because there's so many people involved and make all the payoffs and make sure that everybody keeps their story straight. So you know what? We just can't trust the judicial system, the police services, the prison services, no, nobody anymore, just the media. The media is now our police, our politics, our protection. That's all. Thank you very much for those WhatsApp voice notes. So reacting there to the fact that Nandipa Magudamana's father has now been released on 10,000 rand bail. Also, the breaking news story, as we heard from Khamwatso, is that a charge of murder has been withdrawn against him as well, against Nandipa's father. The NPA not opposing bail there because uh, he is on medication and he's not well. Interesting that you think he's, he's the kingpin in this matter. That's an interesting perspective. What I think underlines all of this is the fact that the public and South Africa does not have confidence in the criminal justice system. And there is an assumption that Tabo Besta will um, use his leverage in the correctional services facilities to escape again. I think a good reference point here is Radovan Kreitscher, uh, the Czech fugitive, what happened. There was an allegedly an attempt there uh, by him to use a helicopter to escape. And there was this whole big plot. Remember that? And uh, he has subsequently been kept under very heavy protection. In fact, his lawyers, his family have always said that it's actually inhumane the way that he is being uh, kept at the moment. So I imagine that that the, the correctional services officials will do something similar here, where they'll just put Tabo Besta under such heavy lock and key that in fact, it, it may be a violation of his human rights, but they can't afford for him to actually escape again. The Midday Report on 702 and Cape Talk. Brought to you by NetBank Commercial Banking. See money differently. Just before the break, we spoke about the situation with uh, water in Tswane. Obviously, power is a huge issue at the moment. We saw some reports over the weekend that ESCOM had, in fact, gone into stage eight of rolling blackouts. They are denying that. They're saying that we're firmly at stage six of load shedding. Uh, let's get a sense of what's happening in the city of Joburg now, because Joburg City Power says it's doing its best to to cushion customers from the impact of the rolling blackouts uh, and, and what's been happening in the, the city of, of Joburg. Isaac Mangena is the city power spokesperson. Isaac, good afternoon to you. Thank you for your time. ESCOM says we're at stage six. How is this impact Impacting on residents of Joburg. Um, thanks, Mindy, and good afternoon to you and the listeners. Yes, we are really uh, under a 
still again as um, city power um, with the shocks and challenges that the state seeks or any higher stages of load shedding are actually putting on, 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 on our operating city power. By, but by extension, obviously, the customers are feeling this. And uh, this is really uh, the why we have been uh, experiencing a lot of problems in most areas, a lot of challenges um, uh, with the outages, um, people not coming back after four hours um, that we are having. And it's truly because of these higher stages, it means that we are now having to basically do more or double up some of our operations in terms of responding uh, to, to, to these problems. But also it means that customers themselves, they will have to be load shared uh, frequently. So instead of um, the two hours there will be some of them will shed for about four hours at a go and often about three to four times a day, mm. uh, which is really uh, something that we is not good as, as, as city power. Yeah. And we are basically working towards trying to see how we can be able to minimize the impact of higher stages of load shedding on our residents. Isaac, every time we go into the higher stages of load shedding, when we have power out for a longer period of time, it's always her steel that gets hit the hardest and and seems to really struggle. And you've got a problem there because of the hospitals, of the water towers, um, and you need electricity for the waters to pump. So, So what is happening to mitigate that problem? Yes, indeed. Um, Hestil is one of our sore points. Um, the others include Rudeport um, and also Rambeck. And it's purely because of, if you look at the the, the infrastructure in those areas, we, we've got aged infrastructure. Hestil is one of the earlier suburbs that were created when gold, after gold was found, I can say that. So you find that we're still having old uh, equipment in those, uh, in those areas, most of which is not even uh, repairable, um, you know, to, to say the least, or even in terms of maintenance. Um, so what we are, we are trying to do is to basically to find a way to cushion, as you, as you rightfully pointed out, we've got most of the essential services running in that in that area, including water, hospitals, and, and so forth. So what we are doing in that area is that we have, um, one, try to exclude uh, most of those essential services. The hospitals in those in that area are not a load shed. So are the water towers, um, Jobek water towers, um, and reservoirs in, the, in, in that area. But what we're also t- going to do is to, you know, in, invest in, 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 in some of the new energy that we're, we're running out, mm. including the solar that we want to put on most of the uh, essential infrastructure, especially those that belong to the city of Johannesburg as the first phase, and then we'll roll out to all the others that are in the area, including the schools and the hospitals, right. and, as you rightfully pointed out. Isaac, thank you. Isaac Mangena, City Power spokesperson, speaking to us there. Uh, as we're dealing with stage six of rolling blackouts, some support, some reports suggesting it is in fact stage eight, and we know how that impacts on, on the water pumps, as we've just heard in, in Tuane, and on everyone as they try and deal with that situation. On 702 and Cape Talk, this is the Midday Report with Mandy Wiener, brought to you by NetBank Commercial Banking, specialists who enable your business growth aspirations. A terrible accident on the N1 earlier today in the Linwood area. Traffic officials saying that uh, motorists on the N1 South uh, could expect heavy delays earlier today. Two trucks colliding and catching fire. Let's get an update on that with the Chwani EMS spokesperson, Charles Mabaso. Charles, good afternoon to you. Thank you for your time. Uh, firstly, do we have a sense of what exactly happened here? I understand this accident happened in the early hours of this morning, around 2 o'clock. Thank you. Good day and good day to your listeners.
the Tswani Emergency Services Department was notified of the accident where two trucks were were reported to have collided. And upon arrival at the scene, they found that uh, one truck had drove into the back of uh, another truck, which seemed stationary at the time uh, of the accident. And uh, both trucks were on fire. The one truck that drove into the back of the other truck was fully engulfed by fire, while the other truck, uh, trailer, was on fire also. Then uh, firefighters started uh, to extinguish the fire. And in terms of, of loss of life, uh, do we know what, what the situation is around casualties? We fortunately did not have anyone losing their lives. The driver of the uh, second truck, which was stationary at the time, uh, sustained minor to moderate injuries and was transported to Steve Biko by emergency medical care services. Uh, And then the driver of the other truck, Uh, could not be located at the time we were at the incident. Okay, good. Uh, And all clear now? Uh, So far, for the reports that we are receiving from Sanral is that uh, all lanes uh, have been closed. Uh, Two lanes were operating earlier, and now four lanes have been closed again to finalize the cleanup. Oh, so the highway is still closed? Yes, the highway is still closed, according to the latest report that okay, that's, that's uh, we important. received from Sunrun. Okay, yes, and yes. We'll, we'll keep bringing updates in EWN traffic as well. So thank you very much, Charles. I appreciate that update. Charles Mabaso, Tswani Emergency Services spokesperson, telling us that the highway is closed on the N1 South um, because of those uh, taxi uh, the, of the truck accident around 2 o'clock this morning. On 702 and Cape Talk, this is the Midday Report with Mandy Wiener. Brought to you by NetBank Commercial Banking. Specialists who enable your business growth aspirations. Well, let's bring you an update on the on the situation where a large fire ripped through the informal settlement of Isipingo, south of Durban. Uh, many homes raised to the ground. Uh, authorities uh, were looking into the cause of the fire. Siabonga Khlachwayo is the South African Red Cross Society KZN Provincial Manager. Siabonga, good afternoon to you. Thank you for your time. Uh, give us a, a sense of what the situation is in Isipingo after that fire. Okay, um, thank you. Greetings to you and the listeners at home. Uh, okay, we, we were informed about the, the fire incident, which uh, initially the report was saying 350 households were affected. But as the, um, uh, the, the, the assessments were continuing, now we are sitting at 448 uh, households that were totally damaged. Uh, uh, more than a 1,000 people have been displaced and are currently uh, in a park called uh, Dakota uh, Park. Uh, so we have been um, providing them with mattresses, uh, blankets, as well as uh, meals, uh, three meals per day. And do we know if uh, anybody lost their life uh, in this fire? I understand that the authorities were investigating and the cause as well. Mm. There were no, there, currently, uh, there are no reported deaths or, or, or injuries. 
And in terms of the response uh, from KZN officials, are they working to to find alternative uh, places for for people to live? Yes, um, as, as 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 the yesterday they they they, they, they were placed in a tent which was uh, provided by us, the Red Cross Society, as well as uh, government disaster management. Uh, currently, they are in search for an alternative and a more decent uh, place where they are going to be staying whilst they are in search for, for a permanent solution. Okay. Siabonga, thank you for that update. Siabonga Khlachwayo, South African Red Cross Society, KZN Provincial Manager, uh, giving us a, an idea of what happened in Isipingo, south of Durban, where a fire ripped through the informal settlement. On 702 and Cape Talk, this is the Midday Report with Mandy Wiener. Brought to you by NetBank Commercial Banking. Specialists to enable your business growth aspirations. Hi, Mandy. This is Sidula Tutsumani. He, Mandy, I think it was really unnecessary for Nandipa to always have that hood and the mask on, uh, on you know, when she she's at the court. Otherwise, uh, you know, her pictures are everywhere, you know. Social media papers and you know you name it, yeah. So so so, so we'll see is, is how things unfold since her father has been you know given bail. But as for herself, I don't think they'll give her bail. So I would caution against convicting Nandipa Magudamana in the court of public opinion before we we hear the merits of the case and and all of that. Having said that, though, I do think that she should absolutely be showing her face in court. I think that you can't appear in the dock as an accused and be allowed to cover your face with a mask and a hoodie. If you're an accused, you need to to show your face, especially considering the fact that she was all over social media, that she was an influencer. What is the point? What does she stand to gain by the fact that she's hiding her face? If we all know what she actually looks like. Uh, Lesiba Joel Siabi saying, I for one don't have faith in our justice system whatsoever. 10k for bail. This is shocking. A reference there to Nandipa Magudamana's father being released on bail. Also that charge of murder being dropped. Remember they said um, and, and there was a voice note saying that, that it could be the mastermind. The authorities said he could be the mastermind. Now they've withdrawn the charge of murder and released him on bail. And then just a, a quick update we were speaking to Twani Emergency Services about that truck accident Scouse African says just passed through the N1 South at the accident scene one lane open EMS had said that reports were that uh, the whole highway was closed but one lane is now open. The Midday Report is brought to you by NetBank Commercial Banking on 702 and Cape Talk. NetBank is a licensed FSP and registered credit provider. We have been speaking about the situation in Joburg with the coalition and all of the upheaval. And there have been developments uh, on this over the weekend. If you if you haven't seen it yet, the Patriot, Patriotic Alliance's Deputy President, Kenny Kunene, went on a bit of a rant. It's been described. Uh, he posted a video on Twitter and he was addressing Solim Simanga, the Democratic Alliance's Gauteng leader. And he had a, a full go. There were, there were swear words and expletives and uh, he really had a a full go um, at uh, at Solim Simanga. So the Action SA is now calling for cool heads and the needs of Joburg residents to be put ahead of any existing tensions. Let's understand all of this. Tidi Madia, EWN Associate Politics Editor, joining us now. Uh, Tidi, it does seem as though things are becoming a bit uh, a bit emotional here. Uh, we've seen this video from Kenny Kunene. There's lots at stake, isn't there? Absolutely, Mandy. Good afternoon. There is a lot at stake. 
when it comes to the city of Johannesburg. I think we always need to remember, as far as the context of the city is concerned, this is really the hub of and the entry into the continent. So it still has part of place in Africa, the city of Johannesburg, and you're seeing this back and forth playing itself out of the public domain. This is negotiations about working together are happening. Horse trading is not even a factor. It is a whether or not can people work with the PA, what does the PA want in order to work with the multi-party coalition. Those conversations are actually in an infant stage, if you may. They haven't even been taken to the DA service properly. I think that that's still to be dealt with. So you are now seeing tempers flaring based on I spoke to Simanga last night and said what Ken Kunina's rant was about is based really on an interview where he said they aren't sure yet as a DA about working with PA and then they're seeing the PA you think we're in a corner, we're not in a corner. So what we're really seeing here is a lot of this playing out in the public domain. Um, we've seen John Steenhuisen speaking about a moonshot pact when he uh, won uh, the leadership of the DA again at its elective conference and parties reacting to that. It seems like a lot of these coalition talks are, are happening in the public domain uh, and, and they're kind of missing each other in the room where they're supposed to be actually finding each other. Absolutely, man. And I think that's kind of what's wrong with the political strategy on the part of John Stanley's and the crisis that he's making very public um, pronouncements about this particular coalition pact that he wants. But someone said to me in the political space that why couldn't John have flown to the Eastern Cape? to spend time, for instance, with UDM leader Bantu and Mesa to say, I'm coming to visit you. Let's have a conversation off the record about what the vision could be. Next time you are in Cape Town or Durban, hit me up, let's talk. And it's that. It's failing to find each other and the nuances behind negotiations that I think would make this a difficult process. Because it's playing itself out in the public domain. And so a lot of people say you need a lot of maturity to navigate the space that we're in, that you're seeing in the metrics, but also what we're headed towards as far as 2024 is concerned. The political leaders need a certain level of maturity and to rise above their egos and their own different um of their own different personalities in the public domain uh, to allow themselves to be able to find one another and to find working ways to meet each other. So you are correct to say that a lot of it is playing out in the public domain. Kenny Kunene, John Stenis, and these conversations could have been happening behind closed doors so that when you come out to the public, you have a better picture. I think all of this also makes the public quite edgy, quite worried, because you don't know what's going on. What you hear, I'm more and more so like going, what is the alternative? Mm. I'm going to parties, don't know whether they're coming or going. So it does not instill any faith or any confidence in those who are at the helm in the political space at the moment. And we are fast approaching elections, that there should be a different way to deal with the coalitions. We are not seeing that yet. Tiddy, thank you very much. Uh, Tiddy Madia, EWN Associate Politics Editor, speaking to us there about what's going on in the city of Joburg. Of course, all of this is playing out against the fact that the programming committee in Joburg is meeting to deliberate on there's been proposed motions of no confidence against Mayor Tapelo Ahmad, against Speaker Colleen Makobele as well. So lots of upheaval, lots of turbulence, and it's all becoming very, very emotional, as we've seen from what happened between Kenny Kunele and Soli Musimanga at the weekend. The Midday Report. That's a wrap of the day's news. Don't forget you can catch the full Midday Report live on 702 and Cape Talk via our streams on YouTube and our website 702.co.za and capetalk.co.za. Keep checking in for updates from my colleagues at Eyewitness News. Till the next time, I'm Mandy Wiener. The Midday Report.